0: Today's episode will be another Brown Art Network episode, where we'll highlight specific South Asian voices in a variety of professions within the creative community. We'll hear about their creative work, how they navigated themselves through their chosen industry, and any tips they might have for other individuals in the South Asian community looking to pursue a similar career in the arts. In addition, for season three, we'll have a specific topic or question relating to the creative field that we'll try to answer as we get to know our Brown Art Network guest. Without further ado, Enjoy the episode. Mm-hmm. Today for Brown Art Network, the focus of our conversation will be surrounding the art and of travel and experiencing cultures outside of your comfort zone, as well as how to push past some of the stigmas that exist within our South Asian community regarding following your dreams or passions. So Joining us in our conversation is Vina Mudali, a 22 year old solo female traveler who's traveled to a total of 55 plus com- countries and recently went on a journey around the world in 180 days solo trip. Um, you can find our entire trip and experiences on our Instagram at@, at NYC to Nomad, nomad um, which we'll have in the description later but without further ado, hi Vina' it's so nice to have you on our show. welcome. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here
1: and for our conversation today.
0: Of course. Um, I guess, so before we get into our kind of central topic, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners? Yeah. So
1: I, like you mentioned, I'm a 22-year-old Indian American woman. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and then moved to New York City for school. Um, I had my first study abroad experience when I was a sophomore, and after that, just kind of got hooked on traveling. I had a little bit of a lapse there between COVID and not being able to travel. But once it kind of started easing off, I graduated a semester early from university to kind of go on this big solo trip with the intention of using travel as a tool for education, not just to learn more about other cultures and other people and other places, but also to learn about myself and how I could kind of take care of myself out <laughs> traveling alone um to all these countries and it was seriously one of the best experiences of my life so i'm super excited to share more um today
2: yeah i think it's really cool that you decided to use travel not only to learn about different cultures and like different things outside of your like perspective but to also learn more about yourself like that's really interesting that you were able to use it as like, a self-growth tool and i'm also curious to hear more about that too um but for I guess for the first question, just to kind of start us off, uh, what parts of when you were traveling around, what parts of the culture, or if there was anything that really what did it, what did it resonate with you or out of the things that you've most experienced from country to country um, with? It could be culture. It could be anything else. But just like what did it, what did you feel like stuck to you um, when you were traveling from country to country?
1: Yeah. So I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was just the people. Um, I always say that the reason that I travel is because I'm curious. As to what life is like in other places not necessarily just to go to the prettiest places or the most instagrammable places but i genuinely want to go everywhere because i want to know what people's lives are like in other places and i think the best way to really learn about that is by talking to people when you go to other places and i think that's one thing that being a solo traveler has helped is that because i'm not surrounded by People that I know or friends that I'm already comfortable with, it really forced me to get out of my comfort zone and talk to locals. And that's when I got to like meet some of the most diverse range of, ranges of people that I've ever met before. For example, in Georgia, I went to a wine tasting and the people that were running it were two 19-year-olds just like that went to high school in Georgia and they were telling me about their experiences and speaking to people in Indonesia who you know work in tourism and hearing about how COVID affected their daily livelihoods. Like when you live in the U S like or anywhere that's like miles and miles away, when you read about these things in newspapers, it's just like, Oh, you know, that's happening over there. But when you go and travel to these places, it's like this is affecting a real person and it's affecting their culture and their entire like country. And it's so amazing to see that. So I think that people are, is definitely the biggest thing that resonated with me and being able to meet so many people and having them, obviously welcome me so warmly into their countries and tell me about what their lives were like was definitely the most memorable part
0: i think that's really exciting because you know like we talk a lot on on previous episodes where you know we've kind of mentioned this idea of like there's a lot of people within our community that i mean not to generalize but i feel like our scope of knowledge maybe outside of our community as well people like to live in their bubbles and i think when when we consume media within just America, um, it's like us and them sort of mentality, um, and and it's very hard to put a, a group like a group of people with like like uh, realize that they are real people. There, it's not just a third world country. There is other countries out there, that, and and there's politics and there's things. And I feel like people when when we get stuck in a bubble and we don't push ourselves to explore those cultures or to understand them, or even, you know, it's very hard to see them, see that as a, uh, see see the countries as like a real thing, and and I think it's very important to be, to push ourselves to identify and learn and explore other cultures and diversity even if maybe we may not be able to go and travel as much, but just being open to to getting to know those cultures is very important, I think. Um, I don't know if you, I like. I guess kind of moving into our next question, like the, it is a lot of like that us versus them mentality. Um, and I think there's people, I think the media and stuff, they always portray like the differences between different countries. I wanna, I kind of wanna like dismantle that a little bit do you think like what do you think is like an overarching similarity between different countries as you've traveled from yeah you know, different places
1: yeah i think the biggest thing that travel showed me especially so solo travel is that it just restored my faith that humans are inherently good like i received a lot more help than danger i always get asked did you ever feel like you were at in danger and the answer is no like no matter where i went i felt completely comfortable and i think the most like, I think the biggest similarity between everyone that I met anywhere is that people are so, so proud of their culture and so excited to share that with someone who has never experienced it before. Like, no matter what, like, no matter what place you go to, everyone wants to tell you like their favorite foods, like what they do for holidays, like how they, um, I don't know, so how they practice their religion. Like everyone is so, so overwhelmingly excited to see visitors, especially visitors in places like that don't get a lot of tourists, like like you said, in the media, media tends to over exaggerate places that are unfamiliar. For example, I traveled to Uzbekistan. And when I told people that I was doing that, they were like, is that safe? Like, that's crazy. Like, isn't that like, you know, near Afghanistan and places that are like war torn and like, you know, not don't really have a good rep in the media. And yes, maybe it is closer in proximity than going to like Europe or something. But that doesn't mean that these places are dangerous. If you do some research and obviously go into it with an open mindset but also being prepared for you know what it might be like I found that the friendliest and most welcoming people in every single country that I went to were in Uzbekistan like people were just so so astounded to see someone from you know far away United States come to Uzbekistan and they were so excited to share um, with someone who is so curious to learn and I think that that's like The places that you least expected it from had the most friendliest and most vibrant cultures that people were so excited to share about. And that goes for everywhere. Like everywhere I went, people are so proud of their cultures and so excited to share that. And um, there's really nothing like, oh, my God, they're not going to want to talk to a visitor like they hate tourists, like nothing like that. I was genuinely so, so surprised by how kind people were everywhere. And I don't think I really had a bad experience meeting a local um, anywhere that I went.
2: Yeah, you bring up a really good point that you need to go in with an open mindset. And I think that's a really great um, advice to people who um, want to travel or just maybe you're too scared because you, you're right, you, that attracts the right type of mentality and experience. Um, and out of curiosity, uh, is there a specific uh, experience or moment that kind of stuck with you or like resonated with you in the sense that? you found kind of like we were talking about before where you were very surprised and how uh, people were welcoming of you is there like a specific moment that kind of like you kind of hold close to you from your experiences
1: yeah so I traveled with my dad to Saudi Arabia and that is a country that not a lot of like people I guess in American media don't necessarily have a good like you know representation of and obviously there are very good reasons for that. there's a lot of stuff that I don't agree with being done by the government there but I think yeah. what is important to realize is that people are not their governments like when we went there and met so many people there, they were so excited to be like, oh my god, you are Indian but you're also American and they're share they're th- asking about things that happen both in America but also like, oh my god, I love biryani, it's my favorite food like these are things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Saudi Arabia to or as a government to maybe have such close ties with either the Indian government or the U.S. government but when it comes down to people at a core it's like people are the same no matter where you go people love to talk about you know their hobbies food like things they enjoy like that is not going to change no matter what system of government you have and I think that was something that's so stuck with me because when people asked me about my trip to Saudi Arabia they were like oh my God, like, why would you go there? Like, do you want to die? I'm like, no, like, it's really not that serious. Like when I went there, people were so friendly and so excited. And I think like that was probably one of the countries that I went to that I was most kind of that was like most kind of out there, like, like least traveled to like, I didn't know anyone who had been there. And it was kind of just like a moment of like, for me, like curiosity, like, I'm curious what life is like here. And when I went there, like, there are still so many people who were so friendly and welcoming. And I think that's what stuck with me is that the media can paint one completely different picture based on the government of a country, but there are still millions of people living in that country that do not agree with our government. And when I think about that, I think about you know previous administrations in our own country. And I'm like, if that was the representation that other people have of America, that would also make me feel disappointed because that's not what I stand for. And I have to think about that in the context of other governments around the world, which is what I think sometimes we fail to do when we trust American media too much. Right, right.
2: Yeah. I feel like, like you said, the media desensitizes everything. So you kind of forget the other end is also human. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, you're right. That's, that's super important. Um, and that's a really good segue into our next question in the sense that um, kind of focusing on the Indian side of our identity. Um, do you think our South Asian community is viewed or understood differently by society in other countries? Like, have you, I guess, some of the stereotypes that you've kind of seen of Indian people here, do you kind of see that anywhere else or do you see a different image of the South Asian community um, outside of America versus here? Um, I guess what is from your experiences and what you could kind of infer to, what is like some of the perception of South Asian people um, in the countries that you visited?
1: Yeah. So I think that it really, really differs across different places around the world. Like for example, in, us and australia and the united kingdom like i think that places that are melting pots of you know different racial and cultural like identities i think that the south asian community is very similar and i think that we would be able to connect to an indian british person or an indian australian person just as much as i could as an indian american woman but i do think that in other parts of europe that are maybe more culturally homogenous or racially homogenous there is definitely a different type of um, understanding of the South Asian community. And I don't want to speak too much on that. Just or like, I guess I don't really have the right words to say that because I don't live in those countries. But I do think that going places as a Indian American woman, such as maybe the Czech Republic or Hungary, where it's like a little bit more racially homogenous, I definitely felt like I was, uh, I stuck out a lot more than I expected. And people it is like a much bigger part of your identity as a traveler. Like people will come up to you and be like, are you from India as opposed to in, if I go to Australia, people are not going, I mean, yes, I look Indian, but it's not like the immediate, I guess, conclusion is that I am from India, you know, like I could be from Australia, but also Indian. So I think that traveling to countries like Eastern Europe and maybe other places in that region, it's definitely like people had a little bit more of a stigma, I guess, against South Asian communities, just because they are less inviting of other races and other cultural um, groups in, like, well, coming into their society or just because that is just how their country is made up of. But I think when I went to Southeast Asia and I went to countries like Singapore and Malaysia, like, you see so much of an Indian population there. And there, it's just, like, a huge, like, there... Um, like in Singapore and Malaysia, like the Indian minority or Indian part of the population is a much bigger group of the population than is in, for example, like America. So in Singapore, to go and see that Tamil is one of the national languages, like that was so interesting to me, because I speak Tamil, and I feel like I don't speak it enough when I am in the US, but to see it there, and it is also like a very developed country, but you hear Tamil on the subways at, you know, on the subway stations and things like that. It's like, the South Asian community is such a obviously a big part of the world everywhere, but in some places it has like a like it affects the way of life in a lot more influential way than it does, for example, in the US or in Australia or the UK and in, you know, other racially homogeneous countries. It doesn't affect it at all. So I think that was super interesting to me to think about what would my life have been like if I was born as a South Asian woman, but somewhere else that wasn't the U.S. And I think that also made me really grateful for the fact that I live and have been brought up in the U.S. because I do feel like if I had been born somewhere where there was not as much of a community, it would have definitely changed my identity, identity so immensely. So it taught me a lot about being grateful for the diversity that I've been brought up within, having lived in, you know, New York and Chicago and being surrounded by a strong South Asian community for most of my life, I've realized like how lucky that was because it doesn't necessarily exist everywhere and people aren't always as open and inviting and things like that everywhere.
2: Right. And I think um, that it's really, it's understandable, like you said, like a homogenous, like it's similar to the concept of traveling in the sense that like you have to have be open to learning new things and have a different perspective like that's why a lot of people go to travel. And I feel like you can put that parallel into like, if you had to like break down the US a little bit more I feel like you bring that parallel in as well, Um, not just like other homogenous c- countries, Um, like for example, um, like southern countries or like areas like where there wouldn't be a diverse setting, let's just say like the middle of nowhere Indiana. <laughs> like I, I think I have some friends who have come from those backgrounds who have like told me like, "Hey, you're the first Indian person I've ever seen," and you kind of had the similar challenges that you were mentioning at the not challenges, but like different those types of conversations that you had in um, those countries with those individuals as well. So it's interesting that a lot of the things that you were noticing abroad is also kind of can be seen as well in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Like I even like, especially after having traveled, I like have come to the realization that I can't live anywhere in the US that is not a big city, because having to (laughs) go through that type of experience is just something that I've been lucky to never have gone through in my life. But I like you said, I've met so many people who are like, I was like one of the only three South Asian people in my high school, or like, I never had friends that celebrated Diwali. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like, I just can't believe that. And obviously, it's you know, it happens and it's real, but it's just for me, I'm like, I could never imagine my identity without it. So it really is crazy to, that just in our own country, I mean, it's obviously a huge country, but still, there's so many different experiences of what it means to be South Asian.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was gonna say, like, I think it's like, also interesting, like, the US specifically, I don't think people realize, like, how diverse it really is, like, not just in the way like the types of people that exist in the race and like the cultural aspects, but also the ways of living, you know, like the way that people live in say the East coast is so different from the way that people live in the West coast and like the way that the, the cities are structured, the way that everything is organized, like the systems of power, like who the minorities, the majorities are all different in different places. So I feel like even if I feel like having that diversity, around us is very hard to like find similar or kind of similar ground um and i think like you said i think you mentioned like uh going to other countries that are not as accepting of and that's just like not what they first think of when they see indian people because they're just not used to it or they're not as welcoming it because that's just what they've been taught for a very long time like i think there's as much as, we, as much as I am all for like, oh, we should all be happy and be all together. I think we need to identify our differences in order to come to be able to talk with each other a little bit more. Cause I feel like that's where the divide in the US comes. Everyone is just like, I don't wanna hang out with anyone on the other side of this mm-hmm. political division. And I feel like in order to cross that, we need to be a little bit more understanding on both sides. And I think that's so difficult given everything that's going on in the U.S., it, everything just seems so polarized now. And it really just makes me kind of angry because you know, if you, I feel like in order to understand the diversity and the cultural aspects of other people, or I feel like we need to bridge that gap, but it's becoming so divided. I don't know if you had any thoughts. I know that was kind of a loose connection, but I would like to get your thoughts on that. And like maybe some ways that we can some things that we can do here to learn about other cultures and diversity and and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so I think when it comes to polarization in the US, I completely agree. And I think that it comes from the fact that we are so focused here on what we don't have and what we want more of and what is wrong with our country as opposed to thinking of what we already have. And I think that Yes, I understand that there are a lot of things that need to be fixed in the U.S., but traveling abroad showed me how we have so, so much more as American citizens or American residents or just living in this country than so many people abroad do. For example, we forget that we can write anything on the Internet and have Almost no consequences. You can write anything about any politician and no one is going to come for you. Like, as a woman, you can work any job, you can study anything you want, you can go to any university, you can wear anything you want on the street. Like, those are things that I feel like, yes, for us, they are so basic and we think, oh my God, like, we couldn't, like, we'd never have to live without that. But having that basic gratitude and realizing that there are so many places around the world where that is not a basic right, I think realizing the things that we do have is something that would be effective in helping bring us together, because there are a lot of things that both sides of the political spectrum agree on, like we agree on freedom of speech, we agree on, you know, right to education and things of that nature. So I think that that is one way to kind of bridge the gap between whatever um, differences exist on both the political spectrum, but also across cultures, like, yes, there are some religions or cultures that traditionally are not thought to get along, but at the base, like a lot of those religions share similar values and a lot of the cultures share similar roots and histories. And I think that looking to our similarities and realizing that even if they are basic things or small things, the fact that they became basic things because we are so used to them and they are such big parts of our lives, I think is something that we all forget to do, including myself. I complain way too much about this country when it has, you know, obviously it's one of still a country that so many people when I visited other countries were like that is my dream it's my dream to live in the U.S. but it's so hard to immigrate there like thinking about the fact that I was born here I did nothing to get here is something that I think of every day and I remind myself every time I feel like I have something to say uh to complain about living here
0: (laughs) right right um I guess kind of switching gears now um, into I, I know so you noted um, when we, when we were messaging back and forth earlier on email, you noted that there aren't that many they see solo travelers, um, especially they see female solo travelers. Can you speak more on that? Why do you think there's a lack of interest in this area within our community?
1: Yeah, so that was one of the biggest things that I noticed is that I would go and stay in a lot of hostels or join a lot of tours and activities and groups where it was mostly like solo travelers that stay in hostels and things like that. And I would never see any Desi or South Asian female solo travelers. Like I would be the only one, like there would be a lot of European solo travelers, Australians and um, even like East Asians, but never really any South Asians. And that was like so disheartening to me, not disheartening, but like disappointing not even disappointing but I was just like I wish there were more I don't know how to put that into words but like why I created the my Instagram I was like I want to inspire more South Asian and Desi females to travel alone because it is not as scary as you think and I think that I don't know if it's a lack of interest but I do think that every time I speak to one of my Desi friends and I'm like they're like oh I really want to go to this place but I don't have anyone to go with I'm like well, you can just go alone. Like you don't need to wait for someone. They're like, but I'd be so bored or how would I like get around or things like that. And I don't, I don't know if I can categorize that as a lack of interest, but maybe it's just a lack of exposure. Like they don't see that that many people do it. Like it's like for them, it's like still like, oh, like you went alone. Like, what did you even do alone? Like, weren't you bored? Like, you know, what? like, what would you do on a trip alone? But I can do the same things on a trip alone that I would do taking a trip with one other person or two other people. So I think it's just that there are not enough people in the community doing it. Like that people see that and they're like, oh, that's so normal. Like I can totally go on a trip by myself. Like I don't really need someone else to go. And I think that's why there is a you know lack of solo female travelers. So I'm hoping that if I can start getting more people on board, <laughs> um, hopefully more people start to realize that you don't need to wait for someone else to go on that trip. You don't need to wait to have a boyfriend or a friend or a friend group or anything to go on a, on a trip by yourself. Like those places are out there waiting and no one's going to like convince you to go unless you convince yourself. So um, yeah.
0: Do do you think that's because um, people feel like that, you know, as a female, it's more likely that it's not safe for you. Is there like a safety aspect? Do you think for the reason why people are like, is it like a fear thing or do you think it's just because, people would rather go with the group than alone?
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of both because, um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this, but I do think that in the South Asian community, it is a little bit more sheltered than maybe other cultures. Like, especially for girls, we're taught not to like go out and do things like alone or like, you know, that things are can be unsafe and whatnot. And yes, that's true. But also it, like for me, I think about, Okay, I live in New York City. So, how much safer is me going out by myself to go run errands than me going and visiting a museum in Paris alone? Like when you ca- when you start to think about safety as and putting into perspective the place that you live as opposed to places abroad. Like I know that walking outside at 10 p.m. in Singapore alone even though it's thousands of miles away, is still more safe than me walking outside at ten p.m. in New York City alone. But if I told, you know, my aunts and uncles that I did one over the other because I live in New York City, they're gonna be like, oh, that's completely normal. But you went to Singapore like alone and you like, you know, navigated your way around, like that sounds completely more mind boggling to them. But when you put in the context of safety around the world, like I'm not saying that people should travel to Saudi Arabia alone on their first trip like that. You know, I understand why people might have qualms about that, but you can certainly go to places like Australia and Singapore and Japan and places that have good records for safety alone. But I do think that people still have something holding them back where they're like, I don't want to go there alone because I would feel like I'm bored or I wouldn't know what to do and things like that. So, yes, safety is definitely a component. But I do think It is an easily resolvable issue because you can go places that you know are going to be safe. Um, But again, I do understand that there's stigma that, you know, women are going to be a danger no matter where they go, which I personally don't have not found to be true in certain places around the world. But again, a stigma exists because many people (laughs) believe it. And um, I know that there's a lot of steps to be taken before you dismantle that kind of stigma
2: right i feel like like you said especially in the south asian community we're kind of conditioned to um i mean even not just in the south asia i think for just women in general you're kind yeah. of conditioned to have like that like that um like that third eye or like that perspective of always being alert and so like like you said if you've never traveled solo before that intimidation factor is just a lot larger um but like, I like how you put it in the sense of you should look at safety in relative to what you, where you are now versus um, like abroad, because you're totally right. Um, I'm th- I was just thinking about my personal experiences, like of living in certain inner city areas for school and then me like kind of being kind of scared to travel by myself in this XYZ area. And I'm like, why was I scared? They're basically, like, I lived in a little bit, quote unquote, dangerous area in comparison. So that's a really great way of putting it in terms of getting over that fear. I think also like,
0: um, like, I like the idea of like, you know, imagine when you're imagine you're living there, as opposed to just traveling there. I think that's very important, because I think there is like a mentality when people go abroad, quote, travel, there is there are some people who will who won't venture out beyond just like the typical kind of like touristy sort of things, um, which is fine. But I think the the way that the way that people view those kind of like tourist trap stuff is like, oh, this is a vacation. You know, I'm not living here, so the rules are different. And and I feel like seeing a country through those lens as opposed to actually trying to meet the people who live there, or like getting to know them, or like uh, even living with them, or doing like a kind of you know those um, student exchange programs. Like I think you get a different experience from that that I think people don't really value. And I think the difference there is what you said, where people are going to these countries who, p- people who go to these countries and imagine themselves living there have kind of a different experience and understanding of that culture. Um, so I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, like like which, I guess my question, like it was more of like a statement of like, you know, this is the state of things, anything that's important, um, but, I, I don't know what if if you had any other thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Because I think that another thing that when I tell people like, oh, I'm like going to this place alone or like, you know, you should go alone. It's like, who's going to take my photos or like, who's going to do something? <laughs> yeah. That is not the point right, of travel. Right. I mean, like, people <laughs> that go there and want to just go to the tourist destinations and take their pretty pictures and wear a pretty dress and take their photos. Like, yes, that's one way of travel, but... Again, for the people who do want to travel like that, like going solo is less appealing of an option. But if you really want to travel authentically and experience life like what, you know, a local person would be like and you want to take public transit and you know, you want to walk everywhere and you want to eat the local foods and you want to speak to local people and just kind of experience the culture, like I think going solo is actually a great way of doing that because you are more open to meeting new people and you know trying places that and you don't need to go with the flow of a group like if the group wants to eat at this fancy restaurant like you kind of have when you're on a group trip you kind of have to just go with whatever wants what everyone else wants to do but when i was traveling alone like i could just eat at any street food place that i saw and just strike up a conversation with the person working there and i think that that type of travel is very there they are two very distinct types of travel and i think that that's why um yeah, like I think like and people come away from these trips with very different perceptions of what it means to be a traveler and what it means to be a tourist and what different countries are like. So I do think like like you said, like different modes of travel do really um, affect how likely someone is to come away with one type of understanding and also come like, you know, be open to solo travel and really like pushing the limits of what it means to travel um, like, I guess, intentionally.
2: Yeah, um, kind of going back to the, like, Desi female solo traveler perspective um, that you have, you, basically, you are Desi female solo traveler. Um, I did want to ask a question in the sense of, I I know that that's a really, like, that mindset in terms of going out and exploring and just, just to kind of live in experiences might be a little different perspective to what individuals may think in the South Asian community in general, if they were to, like, hear something like that. And you've kind of touched, like, briefly hinted on those types of aspects earlier, but like, how have you personally kind of had to deal with um, that in maybe like maybe relatives or like extended family or people in your community when they maybe heard that you were going to go on this journey around the world and like they tried to either maybe like make you hesitate a little bit or anything? How did you kind of navigate those conversations, especially being a Daisy female solo traveler, just so that maybe if someone listening has a similar aspiration to travel, how could they potentially navigate through those conversations you might have had to face?
1: Yeah. I love this question because it is one of my favorite things to tell people is, you know, how did you convince your parents or how did you, you know, how did you even do this? Um, So I think that I took my first solo trip when I was studying abroad because I would everyone else wanted to kind of like everyone else had other plans that weekend to go somewhere else. And I was like, Okay, I don't want to waste a weekend. So I just want to go alone. And at first, my parents were like, Oh, my gosh, like, you cannot go alone, like, like, you know, obviously, like, as any, you know, Indian parent would say, like, <laughs> alone. Um, but I think that over time, I was able to show them by starting small that I could do this big trip. So for example, like. I live in New York City. So that means I can start off by going on a small trip to Brooklyn by myself and spending the day or I live in Manhattan. So I can go to Brooklyn and spend the day by myself. And that is in one way traveling by myself because I went to a different place I navigated and figured out things to do. And no, it's not as big as like, you know, going to London alone, but it's still a good start for someone who has never traveled anywhere alone, who has parents that have apprehensions about them doing things alone. You can say that okay, I did this small thing alone. After that, maybe you take a trip to a different state alone. Like maybe you fly to California alone and you spend a week in San Francisco alone, you know, living in a big city. So you're not like in the middle of nowhere. Like, obviously like parents do not want you to go and <laughs> go to dangerous places. So obviously start small, go places that they will be okay with. Like New York City, LA, San Francisco, things like that, where people are generally... Um, Like know those places and you can go and stay with a friend or like meet up with a friend and they'll feel so much more comfortable with that and those are small steps to be like okay now i want to actually take this trip to let's say london or somewhere that is more i guess on the tourist path like paris and places that have really good infrastructure for tourists so then like, why don't you show them that I can go domestically now, I can go international, but it's not like I'm going completely out of my comfort zone because people in London speak English. Like people in Paris know what it's like to help out a tourist. And once you do that, you kind of show them that you can do this. Like it is not as scary as they think to go to a different country alone. Like you will make it back. You might, you know, feel uncomfortable or you might have some difficulties getting a taxi, but it is not the end of the world to be uncomfortable. And I think a lot of Indian parents don't understand that they do they don't want their kids to be uncomfortable at all like they want everything to be like super easy and you know nothing to go wrong and that is never going to happen when you travel but that is okay and I think taking those small steps to show them that you know I did this and I was fine I did this and I was fine I did this and I was fine and then finally like once they have the confidence that it is not as scary as you think is that push when you can be like, okay, now I want to go on a trek to the Himalayas alone, which is kind of one of the things that I did. So I think that over time, I um, lived in New York City and did a bunch of things alone. And then I studied abroad and took small weekend trips alone. And I showed my parents the parents that, you know, these are things that I was able to do and I survived and that they were really fun for me as well. And I was like, okay, well, I want to take this six-month trip. And I think by that time, they had really adapted like their mentality. And I am lucky enough that I have more chill parents than I guess like average. So they were very like open and supportive of all of this, which I'm super grateful for. But it definitely did take some convincing over time. But I do think like start small is my biggest tip. Stay within their comfort zone as well at the beginning and show them that this is something that is possible. And eventually you'll be able to do something big um, when you are comfortable, as well as when your parents or relatives are comfortable.
0: I think that's important because I, like, like you said, like, I think, you know, parents are our parents within the community. I feel like there's a tendency to uh, exaggerate, like, or make them into sort of a villain or someone that's untouchable and someone you can't fight or argue or do anything with. And I think that's just not true. I think there are ways to convince parents to see and and appreciate and and see what you're doing and I think ultimately I feel like most Indian parents just want to see the best for their kids Mm -hmm. and if you're showing them and and happiness for their children so if if you're showing them that this makes you happy and you're showing them that you are able to you know handle the level of commitment and and research and and involvement that that would be required to, you know, explore and and do different things, I think the more open they will be and more trusting they will be of, of, of you trying different things. I think it's super important um, to open that communication if possible with your parents, you know, I know, I I know there are, there are some, you know, outlayer outliers in which that might not be possible and um, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, like I think giving them the benefit of that, a benefit of the doubt is always kind of a good thing. Um, But I guess like in so we kind of talked about the concern, like the safety concerns in specifics. Um, But let's kind of move into I know the other big concern would probably be um, the expense of travel. So, you know, for people who are otherwise unable to travel due to financial reasons, how do you think you how do you think one can like broaden their understanding of the world without having to leave the country, which might not be doable?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love this question, too, because I truly believe that you do not have to get on a plane. You don't have to, you know, like even get on a train or a car to truly travel. Um, I think travel is just going to a new place with the in search of a new experience or in search of knowledge or some sort of, you know, new um, just, yeah, like seeing something new. And I think that you can do that even in your own city. Um, For example, if you live in Uh, like New York City, for example, when you want to experience a new culture, like, I think that people in who live in Manhattan, too often do not leave Manhattan. I don't know if anyone (laughs) listening has a experience of living in New York City. But I do think that so many of the neighborhoods outside of Manhattan are so incredibly diverse, like you go to Jackson Heights, and you have a huge South Asian community. And huge Pakistani and Indian and Nepali community and you go to Astoria and they have a huge Greek population and you can see so many Greek restaurants and grocery stores and I think that seeking out places that are not you know convenient or not like you know don't have the coolest bars or not like the most trendiest on whatever social media like when you go to places outside of what is on the typical path of your city like I think you can learn so much um, just from how diverse the U S is. And I think that living in the U S is also just such a blessing because there are so many places where you can go simply within the country and learn so much. Like for example, the Southwest U S has such a different culture than um, the Northeast. And you can learn so much about Latino culture by going to Miami or going to Texas and things like that. And without even leaving the country. So I think that um, one, if you don't want to leave the country, there are one so many places in the U S where you can, experience a different culture but if you don't even want to take a plane or take a train like i would say experience your own city like go and go to a new neighborhood try a new food like read a new book like try like go to a grocery store and just look at what the products that other cultures use to cook are like go to um like i don't know a new temple or like visit or if it's like um if it's like Chinese New Year, like every city has huge celebrations for that. You don't have to be Chinese to go and see and experience that. So I think that there are so many ways to get involved in learning about new cultures. You just kind of have to put aside that mentality of, oh, like I sh- I can't go that or, like that's not cool or like, you know, I wouldn't be like welcome there or something like that. Like, I think that if you truly want to learn, there are so many opportunities to do that um, without, you know, getting on a plane or getting on a train, you can really find anything you want, um, in your own
2: hometown. Yeah. And to kind of, uh, extend that question, I guess traveling on a budget is also very important. I'm assuming if you have to travel for like a long period of time, like you said six months, do you have any tips or advice on that area? Cause I know that also ties a little bit with like the traveling experience itself too.
1: Yeah. So I would say like, if you truly want, there are, like we said, there are different types of travel. And for people that want to travel luxuriously, I would say spending a long time traveling is just not an option unless you have endless funds, um, which I did not. So I did not travel <laughs> luxuriously at all. I stayed in hostels, with me- which meant like sharing a room with multiple people, sharing a bathroom with like 10 to 15 people every night. And for me, like I obviously was not as comfortable as being in my own bed every night. And like I had some nights where I was super loud or like was in bathrooms that weren't the cleanest. But for me, if that meant that I was able to spend another day in a new country, like that was totally fine to me, I would spend the whole day out. So just like having a bed to sleep at night that wasn't like as comfortable as a nice hotel bed wasn't Um, was like a sacrifice I was willing to make. I also never checked in a bag anywhere, um, which meant, yes, my photos didn't have the cutest outfits and I didn't, you know, look super nice every day and have like a different outfit for lunch and dinner. But for me, that cut the cost of, you know, paying for baggage. And for me, like wearing the same five outfits and just doing laundry every week um, when I was away, it was like a sacrifice I was willing to make. And I'd never take an Uber, like always walk or public transit. And yes, these are maybe things that are harder to figure out in new countries or maybe less familiar or more uncomfortable or take extra research. But if you are willing to travel and you know that you only have X amount of money to do so and travel is your biggest priority, I think that you can go to any length or most lengths to kind of make that happen. Um, You just have to be willing to give up some of the comforts that you have at home. Um, Because, you know, travel is very expensive and it's a privilege to travel, but um, I do think that different budgets can have uh, different styles of travel can be managed with different budgets, um, which makes it still possible to go somewhere. um, And hopefully that's the goal. Yeah. Um,
2: So as we kind of wrap up our episode today um just some few questions left um what do you hope to see for yourself in your future in the sense of traveling or maybe kind of your growth in whatever area you're wanting to explore in your life and are there any other countries on the list on the list of your bucket list or anything that you kind of want to visit or maybe you'd revisit from your past experiences
1: yeah i mean i I can't name a single country in the world that i wouldn't want to visit so i do think (laughs) that um in my future i do hope to travel as much as possible Um, I always say that my dream one day would be to just visit every single country in the world. But I do know that's a very, very far off, very expensive and very time consuming goal. (laughs) But um, It is, I don't know, like a big dream to have, I guess. Um, But yeah, I mean, for now, I am so I, I did my trip when I had graduated early and I had a gap like semester to take. But for now, I'm back to normal life working. So just making the most of weekend trips and that sort. So I do think that, you know, that has been like, like, a I guess, like the challenge of balancing your time when you work like a corporate job and also want to spend as much time traveling as possible. So that is like another challenge, which I'm sure could be like a whole other episode. But um, I do think that travel is a priority for me in my life. And I will keep doing whatever it takes to travel as much as possible. So yeah, that's hopefully where I guess my future will be with just as much travel as possible um, and hopefully more international travel uh, as I kind of, as the holidays near, hopefully
0: amazing and and i hope that happens that's that is a huge goal but i i think if anyone was going to do it i i can see you doing it so that's very <laughs> very, very cool um, <laughs> but i guess like okay so final question what and you kind of touched on this earlier but just as a lasting thought why do you think it's so important for people you know specifically south asian women to push themselves out of their comfort zone and pursue what they want to pursue despite maybe the stigmas within our community or or uh, roadblocks that they might face
1: I think that my mantra is always "you never know until you go," and I think that we always have so many preconceived notions of what it's going to be like when we do something uncomfortable or something scary or something we're unsure of. But once you actually do that thing, you realize I've never done anything that I regret and that I look back on and I'm like, oh my god, I should not have pushed myself outside of my comfort zone at that point. And I think that a lot of people can resonate with that and that when you do something that's outside of your comfort zone, you never look back and you're like, oh my God, that was such a wrong decision. And I think that that one step to get there and push yourself out of your comfort zone is the hardest one. But once you do it, you realize that you are capable of so much more than you are ever thought. And I think that South Asian women and women are not told that enough. Like We are not told that you are capable of so much more than you could ever imagine. And I think that By doing these things and pursuing the things that we want to do, we have to show this to ourselves and kind of build that confidence um, together. So I think, yeah, you never know until you go. And I think pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and seeking discomfort is one of the most important things you you can do to build self-confidence and live a fulfilled life.
0: That's amazing. And thank you so much, Vina, for taking time out of your day to have this wonderful conversation with us. Um, for our listeners, check out Veena's Instagram profile at NYC to Nomad, um, which we will put in our description, which journals her entire journey around the world in 180 days solo trip. Um, so go give it a follow. Again, Veena, thanks again for joining us. Um, this is great. Amazing to get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been super fun and yeah, I'm excited for everyone to hopefully check out my page and send me a message if you want to chat or literally anything. I would love to meet anyone and have a conversation about travel.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of Brown Art Network. We hope you enjoyed hearing all the wonderful conversations we had today. Go check us out on Instagram at Redefining and feel free to let us know your thoughts on this episode. And as always, if you know anyone who'd be interested in being interviewed for a future Brown Art Network segment, either direct message us on Instagram or email us at redefiningabcd at gmail.com. Stay safe and happy. We'll see you all in the next one.